Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot. I am one of the hosts, Mickey Seba, the catechetical specialist here at the St. Philip Institute, and my co-host. I'm Deanna Johnston, the director of family life for the Institute. And we have a special guest, but I feel like we shouldn't say special guest anymore. You're kind of like a regular. (laughs) So we have a favorite guest of ours who's wonderful and um, always speaks the spirit into my heart whenever we meet. Um, So our guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Sister Josephine Garrett. I'm a sister of the Holy Family of Nazareth. Uh, Here in Tyler, I like to say that's the Mother Francis sisters. Uh, I'm just really happy to be with you ladies again. (laughs) It's always fun and always a joy. So thank you. Thank you for always being so generous to join us. We know that you are a busy lady doing God's work. So we are always honored when you um, so joyfully and generously share your time and your wisdom with us. So today we're going to dive into parts two and three of this book that we've been doing over Advent, Searching for and Maintaining Peace by Father Jacques Philippe. Um, It is a tall order because there is a lot of good stuff in parts two and three. Like I felt like we could just talk about the first three pages for three years. (laughs) And so, so there is a lot and um, we did not rehearse what we're going to say. We're just going to try really hard to let the Holy Spirit um, guide our conversation. And there's so much to unpack and we just, we may not get very far. Um, And we're just going to see where it goes, but just trusting that God's going to pull from our hearts what we pulled from the reading. And then hopefully that will resonate with our listeners. Um, So sister, would you like to open us in prayer so that uh, we can really make sure that the Holy Spirit is, is driving, (laughs) is driving this conversation. I'm sure in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Heavenly father, um, we first want to give you thanks for all of the women that this abide in peace time of reflection has gathered together. I want to ask your blessing upon them and their loved ones and their families um, for this ministry, the St. Philip Institute and Thanksgiving for this ministry. And in Thanksgiving for Father Philippe, uh, for his uh, great, great ministry and service to us, particularly in this time of Advent. I ask that you give us the grace, Father, to be obedient to the Spirit as we share about this work um, and share about abiding peace, um, abiding and maintaining peace. And we place all of our prayers and our hopes in the hands of the mother of your son, uh, Our Lady of this Advent time, um, as we seek to model her in her receptivity of the work of the Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, sister. Um, All right, ladies. We're just going to dive right in. (laughs) We're just, we're jumping. Um, I mean, he starts off real light. 
the roller coaster drops. <laughs> right. like that's where we are. So we're going. We're strapped we're going. in. Let's do it. <laughs> that's right. I mean, because he starts off real light, you know, in part two. Uh, that I'm being facetious in case no one picked that up. <laughs> uh, but he does talk about um, one of the most common reasons that we lose our peace is fear. And then he talks about all different kinds of fears. So like our fear of being without, our fear of losing something precious to us, um, our fear of suffering. I mean, and I feel like we could spend forever on that. Um, but one of the things that really stood out to me, again, it's because when I first started reading this book was right um, when my dad was really sick in, in ICU um, this past August. And I just had a really hard time um, with all the things that were going on. He ended up passing away August 21st. But one of the parts that stood out to me was on page 29 and 30. I'm sorry, on page 24, um, he writes, man is never sure of obtaining anything and everything which he holds in his hands can easily slip from his grasp from one day to the next. And that really, uh, that really struck me because it, it was almost as if I had to come face to face with my deepest fears of things that I would lose or things that I might lose. Uh, because later on, it does say that God, um, I forget the exact quote, but basically God wants to know that we would say yes to giving him everything, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he will take everything. But can we totally surrender everything and so that part um, was really about like, yes, everything that I have, those things that I hold the most precious to me, which actually, I mean, I love my house and where I live and, um, but those aren't the things that are most precious. I feel like if God said, oh, I want your house, it'd be like, okay, you know, next adventure. But it's those relationships. It's those people that that is where I have found my deepest fear um, and letting those people, like being able to say, okay, Lord, um, you can have them if you are calling them. And especially like with children, right, right now they're still in my home and I pray that they live long lives. Um, uh, but even like the idea of like letting them go to the next journey. So, um, like after high school and when I had to let them go for them to pursue their own, <sighs> their own lives and pray that I've done my best to see here I go again, pray that I've done my best to make sure that God will use them. See, I'm already messing up the whole message of this book. <laughs> I, um, it, yeah. Just entrusting them and trusting them to God. But I think for me that really the whole first part, when he talks about fear, it's just been me coming face to face with what are my deepest fears what are those things that I'm just like, that I'm not ready to say, Lord, if you ask this of me, I don't know if I want to give it to you. Hmm. And that's been a, um, a hard reality because for so long, I've thought I've trusted God, you know, hmm. but not with everything. And there's things that I still um, have anxiety over uh, if I thought he was going to ask 
for it. And when you first quoted that quote, man is never assured of obtaining anything and everything which he holds in his hands can easily slip from his grasp from one day to the next. And the first thing that came to my mind is when did that stop being a joy? When did that stop being a joy? Like there's this month, there's this prayer that we have to say every month. It's a prayer we have to pray once a month. And it says, we ask Jesus that we would faithfully fulfill whatever duty he asks of us and that we will promptly surrender it when he no longer asks us. Um, because we do that right like once we get it mm. it's like my precious <laughs> and so it's like when did because if it's slipping from our hands Nikki like you spoke about in our live session the other night if it's slipping from our hands it's permissive or active will or it would not slip and so when did the will cease to be a joy mm. when did it cease to be a joy yeah, and I think, um, and this is just sort of, you know, what he um, is talking about, too. I think I've, in my life, it's been, and I know this sounds so contradictory, but in my life, it's been like when God has given me, given me more. Mm -hmm. um, because then that's when I'm like, okay, well, now I have this, and now I have to control how this is being used. I have to... Um, I overthink things or overanalyze things or, um, you know, and it, it has, it has been one of those things. Like I wouldn't have this thing had God not given it to me, but now that it's mine, um, I'm going to hold on to it. Yep. And, and I, I do think part of it is wanting to do what's good with it. You know, so like my children wanting to raise them right. Or my husband wanting to make sure that um, we have a good and a holy and happy marriage that feeds our children and that's a light to the world, you know, um, but it's, it's almost as if the more that God has entrusted in my care is the more that I have grasped onto it as if it were really mine. Um, and I'm trying to save those things, you know, yeah. I'm trying to save my children from suffering. I'm trying to save them from bad experiences. I'm trying to save our marriage from hard times. I'm trying to um, save our house by making sure I'm being super frugal with our money and using finances properly. Like, and so it becomes this like, well, now that I've been given all of these good things, I am the sole person, right? Who now has to do all of these things. Mm -hmm. And not that my intentions or my desires are bad, but it's become, um, it's be my grasp on those things are just too much. They're tight. Yeah. I, think, um, I shared a little bit about this on the, um, when we, during our live session, but I, um, when I entered the convent, I was a candidate and of course I couldn't keep my apartment and be a candidate. And so it looked like I had gotten rid of a lot of things, but really I had just shoved them into a storage across the street from the convent in case I needed to make a quick getaway. <laughs> so my formator eventually realized I had the storage. And so during postulancy, she was like, we should probably really empty that. Um, <clears throat> and so it was a practical exercise and a spiritual exercise as well, going there and emptying this out with her. Um, on 30-day retreat, 
when I was praying with the take Lord receive prayer during the prayer I kind of imagined myself back in that storage unit but with Jesus and kind of looking around and at the time with sister my formator the stuff that was in there was was, it was things (laughs) it was furniture you know my favorite vase or da 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 right (laughs) Uh, but when I stood in the storage with Jesus in the prayer it was relationships like you mentioned that were in there and I think this is a great paradox because we are supposed to lean into relationships um so that we can experience the cross in them so we taste the resurrection in them Mm. particularly our vocational relationships so that we like taste the promise of heaven um but like saint saint augustine was saying like they the gift the giver of the gift right is we got to worship the creator of the gift not the gift itself and that's where we get it's a paradox and our faith is full of paradoxes because something wouldn't be right ordered if we didn't long to hold on to these relationships something would be you know out of order but at the same time something is out of order as i like push god out of them and say mama you can't get in here anymore um, so i really <clears throat> for me like it was page 26 was a huge gut punch um where he says our great drama is this man does not have confidence in god Hence, he looks in every possible place to extricate himself by his own resources and renders himself terribly unhappy in the process rather than abandon himself into the tender and saving hands of his father in heaven. Yet how unjustified this lack of confidence is. Isn't it absurd that a child would thus doubt his father when his father is the best and most powerful who could exist when he is the father in heaven? In spite of that, it is in this absurdity that we most frequently live. Like, what a gut punch. He's like, you live in absurdity. <laughs> and I told you I've met him in person, and he, um, I embarrassed myself. And so I could see him looking at me saying, you live in absurdity. <laughs> like, it's such a huge gut punch. Uh, and we frequently live in it. And so listen to the gentle reproach that the Lord addressed to us through the mouth of St. Catherine of Siena. And it goes on there's this dialogue between St. Catherine of Siena and God where he's basically saying, you don't think I can feed you. You don't think I can clothe you. And I know you don't. I know you don't. And so that for me, page 26 and 22nd is just a huge gut punch. And I wrote here that this breaks my heart when I think of Jesus's heart, Mm. right? Like when I read this in light of the heart of Jesus, it really breaks my heart because our hearts, so kind of like okay, I'm going to throw you this speck in response to an outpouring heart like really really it's a gut punch Ooh. I feel like this whole thing is a gut punch like, <laughs> like there's, there's so many times in like in all the margins I feel like I have a giant exclamation point if you can see on like every paragraph it's like oh dang like that's <laughs> that's where I'm at and I know we talked about this in, in previous episodes, but it almost seems like that, that, I mean, the constant theme is like a lack of trust in God, fear, control, and like an unwillingness to let go. So yeah, I, I underlined like our great drama, um, Deanna drama, 
I don't have confidence in God. I don't surrender everything. So, and um, I think especially um, like this line on, on page 27, they do not have confidence that God is capable of making them completely happy. Like to just sit in that and, and really reflect and, and um, the fact that that distrust connects us back to the original sin and sister, I know during the, the live session, you, you, you shared that quote from Edith Stein about like, we're constantly grasping, like, like Eve did and how often in my life am I grasping at control meaning well, like, okay, I've got to control everything because I'm the mom, I'm the wife, I'm the director of family life. So I've, I got to have everything in order. I got to have the five-year plan, but not making room for God and, and all of that. And not to, to jump too far ahead, um, but on page 30, um, like realizing that God, God demands great things of us, like God expects greatness. God um, wants us to do hard things because he knows that we're not going to do it by ourselves like god is going to to um to give us everything that we need um i i underlined uh let's see sorry i've got so many so many underlines and and boxes um but at and that which god demands of us always goes beyond our natural human possibilities and i just wrote underneath do i allow god to demand great things of me um or do i try to calculate it all and because I, I try to, to have such a tight control on, on everything, when I really sit and think about it or really pray about it, does that actually make me happy? <laughs> Absolutely not. But putting ourselves in that posture of surrender, that's, ooh, that's hard. Yeah, that's one of the things that, um, you know, I have been, I think that that's where my sort of biggest struggle is, is knowing that, okay, there absolutely is are, is some amount of work that God wants me to do. You know, I can't just sit at home all day homeschooling the kids and be like, they'll just learn. God will put it in their heads. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to plan. Um, you know, obviously I plan. I would never do that. You know, that there is some work that God is going to ask us to do. Um, and I think for me, it's the balance of, okay, and maybe this is even, now that I'm saying this out loud, I think it's even the wrong way to think. Like, how much do I do? And when do I get, let God lead? Which is silly. I, <laughs> I should always let God lead. But I think for me, it's learning. It's learning, okay, uh, what work needs to be done? What work is God calling me to? But at the same time, realizing, and he says this so beautifully, I think on page 29 and 30, you know, he talks about, um, he said, let us be very clear. Obviously, we do not want to say that it's a bad thing to be able to anticipate things, to develop a budget or to for like a priest to prepare one homilies. Our natural abilities are also instruments in the hands of providence. Here's the kicker. And this is what I really need to, I'm saying this to myself, but everything depends on the spirit in which we do things. We must clearly understand that there is an an enormous difference in attitude of heart between one 
who in fearing to find himself wanting because he does not believe in the intervention of God on behalf of those who lean on him, programs everything in advance to the smallest detail and does not undertake anything except in the exact measure of its actual possibilities. And then on the other hand, one who certainly undertakes legitimate things, but who abandon, abandons himself with confidence in God to provide all that is asked of him and who thus surpasses his own possibilities. And I think for me, that's where, now that I'm thinking about it, like, this is my, this is my big drama, right? Is that um, I will, I will think about those things that I need to do in the day or those things that God has clearly placed in my care, right? I mean, there are things that we know we need to take care of. If we're moms, we have to take care of our children. Um, if we're wives, yes, we take care of our husbands. We invest in that relationship. Um, if we are employed, right? Investing in our work, but always doing so with, that um, that spirit in which God wants me to do it. Yeah. Um, and that the thing with that is it takes constant. Um, I loved how he said it. It's later. I forget what page it is, but he says it requires a contemplative contemplative gaze at Jesus. Yep. And that's what that's what I know I need to have is like to always be in that spirit of trusting in God, knowing that he is always leading, if, even if I think I'm doing it by myself. Right. Um, what page did you read from? What, because there were like four words that you said that I think are the like most important words. So I was reading uh, from you... page 29 and 30. Okay. And so the part where he speaks about the spirit. Yes. Um, so on the bottom of page 29, it says, but everything depends on the spirit in which we do things. And okay. then from there, he talks about the okay. two different kinds. Um, okay. And later on, he says, abandonment is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so even as I listen to our language, you touched on it, Vicki. Our language is even an illusion. Like the way we even speak about this dynamic is a complete illusion. It makes me think, the very first therapist I had, very <laughs> first therapist I had, because um, therapy's good. I'm a therapist, do that. Um, and he said to me one day that my homework was to take over the next week, create a list of the things you know that I control in my life. And me and my great ignorance was like, okay, yes, you know, have my notebook with me. Like, I'm really gonna have a list. <laughs> For the week, I would write something on the list and then, in good reason, have to cross it out. Like, oh, no, I actually don't really control that. I'd add another thing to the list and have to cross it out. And so I was really in a little bit of an existential crisis by the end of the week because it was a super short list. Um, it was a super short list. And even that, like to say, I really have control over how I choose to act. Mm. Even that required God permitting it. Um, even that required. So when we begin the breviary, if you do the uh, invitatory and the breviary, it says, Lord, open my lips so that I can praise you. So it's like, God, do me a favor and move my mouth. <laughs> Allow my mouth to move so I can praise you. 
I was really in a little bit of an existential crisis. And at the end of that week, it was the day for me to go back to therapy. I um, stepped into an elevator and I hit the button to go down to lunch. I was at work and the man in the elevator said to me as it started, he said, you know, I heard this elevator broke earlier today and it dropped to the first floor as we were riding. And I was like, okay, God, I understand, <laughs> you know? So even our language sometimes is a misstep because we, and we serve a God who's so good and we follow a God who's so good that he allows us to persist in the illusion mm. that we make room when really he made all this for us. <laughs> like, mm. and, and, you know, that we allow and really we couldn't even allow without his action. Mm. Um, and so I, I don't know if it's too far to jump ahead, but I was also really struck with what he did in um, section 11, where he talks about the way we want what we want. Like that what we want might be good, but the way we want it could not be from the Holy Spirit or the way of the Holy Spirit is the language he uses. And so on the, at the top of page 53, he says, we feel justified in wanting it with that much more impatience and displeasure if it is not realized. The more a thing seems good to us, the more we are agitated and preoccupied to realize it. Um, and so he really kind of, again, like calls out that you may be full of wanting virtuous and good things, but then there's a, a difficulty in the way we want it that doesn't allow peace to abide. Um. I'm so glad you brought that up because I have like tons of sections from, um, from that highlighted because I would venture to say most of our listeners, most of the people who will come across this podcast really do have good intentions. At least I pray that's the case, right? They, they desire, they're desiring what God desires, holiness, peace, love, but it's that, it's that, I even get caught up like trying to hurry that process. Like, all right, God, can we? And I've noticed it after reading this that um, even when I was a teacher and I taught high school, I wanted to hurry along my teenagers' holiness. And I almost thought that if I if I don't do something with them this year, man, will it ever happen? And then I'm like, oh, how flawed I was to think that I actually had a role to play in their salvation and their relationship with Jesus. You know what I mean? Um, that it was solely up to me. Like, man, if I don't, if I don't at least show them that Catholicism is exciting, what if they leave this, this class this year thinking that it's boring? Like, and I, and I almost, it wasn't until my last few years of teaching that I finally got that I need to put them in the presence of Jesus. Like I need to keep my mouth shut sometimes and haul them to chapel and put them in front of Jesus. And they may not like it. And they may sit there and not even talk to, they may not even talk to him, but I got to a point where I was like, there should never be a time when they're in my presence that I'm not bringing him, bringing them to the presence of Jesus. And it was amazing because it wasn't until I finally sort of abandoned my time in class at a Catholic school to bring them to the chapel. I mean, I know this, 
now that I'm saying it, I'm like, I was a theology teacher. And I'm like, no, we got to read the catechism. We're going to read the Bible. Like the teachings are beautiful. Yes. And, but, and I was hesitant. This sounds so crazy. I was hesitant to spend 30 minutes of my hour and a half in the chapel with them. With the actual word, right? <laughs> yes. In yeah. the yeah, actual cool. presence of Jesus. And I, and I, and I taught for 11 years and I'm so embarrassed to say that for so much of those minutes that I had these students in my care, I was like, nope, we're going to sit down. We're going to, we're going to read our catechism and you guys are going to fall in love with it because it's beautiful teachings. And I was so hesitant to dedicate a large, a large chunk of time to just be in the presence of Jesus. It wasn't until I abandoned that that I really, I mean, I started to see tremendous fruits in my students and it's because I stepped out of the way. <laughs> um, and I hate, I like, I, I almost hate that I, I squandered so much time. It was like a 30 second walk down to that chapel, you know, and, and even like with my own children, um, I try that whenever we pass the chapel, if we're ever out that we stop. They were like, oh, nope, we're gonna, we're just gonna, even if we just go in for a few minutes, like with, we need to be in the presence of Jesus. Like, but there's even times when I fail that, I'm like, oh, but I have to get to the store before it closes or we won't have cereal or milk for cereal tomorrow. And then breakfast is gonna be devastating and our whole day is gonna be awful because I didn't get milk. <laughs> um, I don't even know where I was. Probably a joke. It's probably a joke only in black families, but they're like, put some water in it. It won't kill you. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> As I said, it's probably only in black houses. <laughs> don't complain. Get some water. Be quiet. Sit down. Be quiet. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, the the main section. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. This section is uh, like it's a section on the faults and shortcomings of others. And I, um, for me, like as I read this, I have to, you know, I'm trying to ask God, like, how does this apply right now? And so it was an important section for me as well because um, it's hard out there right now. Like, like the <laughs> frustration with the faults of others is at an all-time high. Or frustration with the fact that others don't look act speak the way I think they should look act and speak is at a all-time all high right. why do you have that mask on why don't you have that mask on right why are you sanitizing your hands why didn't you sanitize your hands like we just at each other's throats you know and so you know it, it's a it's a lot <laughs> are you woke are you not woke enough are you not woke at all like it's a lot and so this was an important section for me, realizing the selfishness that can rise up when I think I'm desiring the virtue of another person mm. and the self-interest and the pride. And so I have this image come into my mind because even in our church, we can be so mean to each other. Truth bomb. Surrounding our, like, surrounding our, our experience you know, our experience of church, you know, as I had this one image of, you know, the guy kneeling, you know, in the, the beautiful, you know, 
highest right incense floating before his face thinking, thank God I'm enlightened. And at the same time, on the other hand, you've got like father buddy love who's like, everybody should, you know, just be happy Jesus loves you. Don't worry about those sins, right? Thank God I'm pastoral and <laughs> not like those others, right? And so we're, for me, this section is so important for us right now as Catholics because it is a section for those who no longer want bad things that are contrary to God. Like this section is for people who are seeking holiness. But mm. he says at the bottom of 53, but we want only those things that are good in conformity with the will of God. We know that. We want them in a manner that is still not God's way. That is to say the way of the Holy Spirit, which is caring, peaceful, and patient. We want them in a human way, tense, hurried, discouraged, if we do not immediately achieve the desired goal. And so I have to speak to that because, you know, and even it's in our homes, it's in our church, it's in our country, this at each other's throats, mm -hmm. because you are not where I want you to be. And so it's tense and it's hurried. Um, and so I think this is another point that can really speak to our present moment. And I had to take it too in my relationship with the sisters, because when you put six, seven women in the house, we are all going to see the world the same. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> And so to like, um, um, to peacefully deal with the gap between us, um, like to deal with that peacefully, mm. but not to surrender the virtue, right? And the desire for the virtue, but to deal with the gap in a spirit of peace. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that, like, even so, like on page 55, he even says, because I even think sometimes we maybe sit, we maybe say, um, you're not acting like I want you to, but I think some people even take it further. Like you're not acting how God wants you to. Cause I can, I can read in scripture where he says, you should not be doing that. Right. Um, or church teaching, you know? Um, but this is what he says on page 55. He says, if the Lord has still not transformed this person has not relieved him of such and such an imperfection, it is because he puts up with him as he is. He waits with patience, the opportune moment. Then I must likewise do the same. I must pray and be patient. And I know, Deanna, we talked about this at one point that I, and I do think too, especially when it comes to like family members or people that are really close to us and we are desiring their close relationship with God, but also realizing that really the best that we can do is to make sure that we are letting God freely act in our lives. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then also knowing that God is at work in these other people's lives. Like we may not see that he's working. Um, we may not know sort of the situation, but we have to be patient and that God and know that God loves that person more than we ever could. Yeah. And he's working and trust again, it all goes back to trust. Like, are we trusting that God is doing is working, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and again, not, not saying that we don't want these people to grow or, and we might have a role to play. Like we might need to speak up, but always discerning before we do Lord, what is, what is it that you want me to do? If mm -hmm. anything in these situations, um, but why are we more demanding and more impatient than God? Exactly. That's it. Like, again, because we running the show. It's my show. 
<laughs> like it's my, I'm running this. Um, but the thing is, I love it that he says a uh, 55 where you just quoted, I must pray. I think we could all do a healthy accusation of self. Do how much time do I spend praying for those I feel frustrated with? And not and Lord, those... please change this person according to my will, but actually pray for people. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I kind of moving a little bit further into into this section. Um one thing that I think just overall, as I'm going through this and, you know, making my notes, I'm realizing how like broken I am. And this has not been a, a, a peaceful advent for Casa Johnston. I think like the first week of advent, all four of my kids got sick and my washing machine broke. It was great. And then, yeah, just dealing with, it seems like every week of Advent, there's been another adventure, which has been cool. But going through this book, I'm like, man, I don't do that well. I really don't do that well. Oh, dang. Like, I, and I think I even said that in, in the margins at, at some point. Um, not that Father Jacques Philippe is attacking me, but I mean, <laughs> but the temptation can be, I think for a lot of us, or I'll just speak for myself. I think the temptation sometimes can be in reading books like this, is to start to be like, oh man, I'm so broken. Like I'm so, oh, like I'm, I am so terrible, but thank God for section 14 where he says God can draw good even from our faults. And we have to trust that that is true. Um, like God's, God's mercy is bigger than me. God's mercy is, God's love is bigger than any mess up that, that Deanna um, can create. And I can, I mean, I can come up with some good ones. Um, and I'm not patient. I'm very controlling and, um, you know, not making space for God to act like that's, that is me. Like this has been a really good book for Advent. Um, but to really surrender to the fact that God is bigger than my sin. That's what I wrote on page 62 um, in the margin is when he's talking about God's, God's mercy, that God uses our faults to our ad advantage. Um, mm. Like that's, I mean, really like encouragement to pray with that, like as broken as we are and as imperfect of a mom and a wife and in ministry, as broken as I am, that God will use that. And what Satan wants to do, and he, and he talks about it, but like the, the, the evil one wants nothing more than for us to just sit and wallow and, um, in isolation. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And God wants to, and that, and that robs us of our peace that, that robs us of our peace, but his encouragement to go to confession, like that has to be a priority for us, like taking advantage of the sacraments. And then to be able to, to recognize like, okay, I messed up, but thank God that I didn't mess up. Like because of God's grace, I didn't mess up more than that. I can't remember where, where that is, um, like maybe 66, um, but that God will, or I, I highlighted this on page 65, where will we find healing for our faults? If not close to Jesus, I can't heal myself. As, as great as I think I might be, I, with my master's of theology degree, I can't, I can't heal myself. And I, I, I can't, 
I can't do what God can do. And it's such a simple, it's such a simple thought. Like God is God and I am not. But realizing that is good. Yeah. Yes. And that that and if I and if I can trust that, if I can trust that God is who God says he is, then I don't have to be in control of everything. I don't have to worry about every single detail. I don't have to worry about how much I mess up. I mean, I, I should care that I mess up, but it shouldn't rob me of my peace. And that's, I mean, that's what I, I seem to be taking from, uh, from those sections is that when we mess up, when we recognize how broken we are, instead of like wallowing in isolation and just sitting in the darkness, it's like standing back up and saying, okay, God, clearly I am in need of your grace and I can't move forward without you. There's yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, sister. All right, I think we all want it. It's so good. It's so good. There's a section on page fifty-eight that I think is like a prayer that can go with what Tina's saying. Um, and he says, "We react by saying, and I think that this. I almost want to take this out, put it on a bookmark, and make it a prayer." Lord, I ask your pardon. I have sinned again. This, alas, is what I can, am capable of doing. Um, but I abandon myself with confidence to your mercy and your pardon. I thank you for not allowing me to sin even more grievously. I abandon myself to you with confidence because I know that one day you will heal me completely. And in the meantime, I ask you that the experience of my misery would cause me to be more humble, more considerate of others, more conscious that I can do nothing by myself, but that I must rely solely on your love and your mercy. Yeah. That's so good. Are you finished? I didn't know. I want to interrupt. I am. I, I feel am. like that. I feel like that would be an extra thing to interrupt a religious. <laughs> I want to- more time in purgatory. <laughs> like it's a little bit more, more intense. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, no, but what I was going to say is I do think, um, and particularly, and, and sister, you can maybe even speak of it from your role as a religious, your calling as a religious, but in my experience with mothers, I do think that we are particularly hard on ourselves um, when we falter, when it comes to our children, mm-hmm. um, either how we reacted to their misbehavior or their outright defiance or even just a mistake that they made. Um, I know in my own life, I, I know I overreact. And there are times when I'm like, I think I may have just scarred my children for life. Like, Lord, please heal their scars. And there are times when I feel like I behave so poorly and I'm just so down on myself that I do, I wallow in it. And I am just like, man, how could I have done xyz and then i look at other moms i'm like i bet she doesn't do that i bet she doesn't do that um you know uh and i need to be more like that i need to and i i think and this is what i um what i have taken from other conversations with other moms is that it's almost as if we are fearful to be vulnerable because we're like i don't want them to know like who i really am because I'm ashamed of what I've done. I'm ashamed of how I've acted. And we can tend to um, 
just to let that seep in and it becomes our view of ourselves, which in this book, it, it says that that is absolutely the devil's work. Um, really, if even if you screwed up poorly as a mom, that you're like, okay, you know what? That was a really bad mistake. I'm gonna pick myself up. I'm gonna go to prayer, make it to confession as soon as I can. Um, but I'm gonna do better, you know, but not to like wallow in that. And it can become so easy to self-isolate, um, to beat up on ourselves. Like, man, I can't believe I did that. And thinking about it over the course of days. And he basically mm -hmm. says like, nope, you shouldn't do that. Right. Doesn't he connect that is, to pride? Like he says, like it's a, it's a, it's a pride thing. And it's pride. Yeah. There's a quote that I love. I think it's from a 12 step tradition, but it says excessive shock, something like excessive shock and my fault as a sign that I need greater humility. Mm. Mm. That litany of humility is a good prayer to, uh, <laughs> I love. And, uh, I know I, it is a painful prayer because I'm like, I'm like, I don't, um, I don't know if I really mean that. <laughs> I would like to. <laughs> I would like to. Yes. How's our time? Um, we we could probably talk for like another five to seven minutes and then maybe wrap it up. I was starting to look at that because we we could keep going for sure. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so good there was one thing I, I did want to mention from earlier in the section back on page 35 um because i'm i i probably need to write this on a sticky note and keep it with me but he talks about he was talking about meditative prayer and he says one can never insist enough on the necessity of quiet meditative prayer the real source of interior peace how can one abandon oneself to god and have confidence in him if he only knows him from a distance by hearsay and it's like going back to the basics and and i mean for me especially um this this really hit because i think sometimes i can go into autopilot mode it's like well i i have to take care of this and this and this and i think for those of us who work in ministry like we kind of like what you were sharing earlier, Mickey, about, you know, being protective of all of the things that God entrusts us. It's like, all right, you gave it to me. Now it's mine, my precious. Right. And, um, it's very easy to, to like have tunnel vision, like, okay, this is my vision for these things. This is what my family should be doing, what my marriage should look like, what my ministry should look like. But like, that does not, <laughs> that doesn't lead to joy. I mean, and those of us who are, who are functioning in that way, like, does that actually, um, is that making us happy? But I mean, to go back to the basics of, do I know God? Do I make space for God in my daily, like daily, not just weekly. And I'm saying this to myself, like, am I, am I just doing a weekly check-in with the Lord like I would my supervisor, or is it a day-to-day -day thing? Is it, is it a daily relationship with God? Or is it like, oh yeah, like I should probably maybe check in with the Lord outside of mass at some point this Advent? Um, <laughs> or do how can I abandon myself to God and have confidence in him if I only know him from a distance? And how many of us 
are functioning that way. I mean, I know that I know that I'm guilty of that, that that there are seasons where it's like, oh yeah, like God, I'm chicken with you at some point. But ah, and then we wonder like, why are we not at peace with our current state in life? And it's because we're we don't have a relationship with him. So yeah. When I say this book kicked my butt, that's what I mean. It's really a perfect. I see it as like perfect for both Advent and Lent in a way. And I think from reading this again, like I see, um, I see the resurrection present at the crib, like in reading this again. Um, And what did you say, Deanna, that I let it go out of my mind when you said um, like, um, you know, being aware of Jesus like not just when I go to mass or like I forget the words you used from the quote will you say it again because they were like the perfect words and I don't want to change them yeah how can one abandon oneself to God at a distance yeah at a distance is such an important word in advent because advent is the opposite of distance it's like a coming nearer coming nearer coming nearer until we have Emmanuel like he is here and then because of the resurrection he's not only here but he's living in me Mm. right so like the whole life of Jesus was a journey towards this like being able to to live in us um to like live in us and work through us and in him through him and with him yes um and so I just this uh has really been an advent blessing for me I'm hoping that what I hope because I feel like this is like a conversation between friends that you'll let other people listen to right (laughs) I'm hoping like more women will sit down and have conversations like this um yeah because for me this is just a big takeaway is that for because I just turned 40 and I'm really excited about my 40s and so my friends are like what are your 40s going to be like they're making me reflect and so I'm like, one of the things, you know, for 40s is that I, I want like joy to abide, you know, more sincerely, deeply, and not be, you know, not be easily shaken. And I think that joy and peace, like you were saying, Deanna, they, they, they have a relationship. Um, abandonment and joy have a relationship. Um, so for me, for some reason, like my big takeaway from this is that the nearness of the Lord is the fruit of the resurrection and the reason I can have peace is because of the resurrection so like there's nothing nothing that can go on in life and then he all these subjects he has he talks about peace you know and dealing with suffering suffering of others my own faults the faults of others the busyness of life all of these topics like if the resurrection is true then peace can abide like in all those circumstances um so yeah, it's just really been an advent gift to me. And somehow like I see the resurrection garden at the crib, you know, at the crib. So. I love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and I know we're sort of getting near the end of time, but um, one of the things that Frank, St. Francis de Sales says, it's on page 89, like this is, this is all you have to do to obtain peace. You ready for it? I mean, this is it. It's super simple. He says, let us do three things, my dearest daughter, and we will have peace. Um, Let us have 
the very pure intention of will to do all things for the honor and glory of God. Let us do the little that we can toward that end, according to the advice of our spiritual director, and let us leave it to God to take care of all the rest. Mm. I mean, it's that easy, right? <laughs> we like to mix it up. We do the remix. <laughs> um no but I do this even has just been a way for me to just process it myself just to be able to talk and and I've learned I'm even learning things as I am vocalizing it and like you said um sister that I hope that this enters into other women groups other women friends like let's just it's let the veil down. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have to hide our imperfections. We don't have to be fearful um, that uh, that we can't find a community of other women to share with, to, um, you know, bear some of our ugliness and because we all have it. And I think we tried to, to veil um, people from that or shield them or even shield ourselves because we don't know how we'll be received. But I do hope this opens conversation and community um, for women to just be honest and open and talking it out has been so helpful to me. Mm-hmm. So awesome. I'm just so grateful. Same. And the I, I do want to say that the live session that we had um, last Friday night was just so beautiful and the sharing that happened and I think we had about 20 women in the group total um and one person from Australia I think it's is it Yvonne hi Yvonne (laughs) (laughs) um and just knowing I mean the emails that we've gotten from different groups um I think it's Debbie that was doing the the group in Oklahoma and just like knowing that there are women that are gathering and having these conversations or folks that are journeying through it on their own and have shared with us, um, you know, how impactful just reading this and being able to, to really pray through it has been like, we need more of that in the church mm-hmm. and yeah, I think in the church. Amen. And I, I think that as women, we, as moms, as women, I, I think there is that spirit of, um, that could probably be its own podcast episode. What's wrong with women? Um, but like we've got like this competitive spirit. Sometimes are we allowed that or comparison, like that sense of comparison or, or, you know, and I, and I know I'm guilty of it. Like, Oh, I could never be friends with them. Cause I'm not at such and such a level or they're going to judge me, but I'm judging them. And uh, like, this is constant tension. But when we come together and we share our stories, like, ah, beautiful things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my eyeballs were a little sweaty during the live session. I was like, oh, Lord, thank God we're on Zoom. <laughs> well, I feel like you have, you know, because you're um, a religious and you're a counselor, it's like, okay, <clears throat> solve all my problems. <laughs> Like speed it along. Come on, I have lots of questions to ask, sister. And after this, I'm gonna be so good. That's the first thing they teach you in school to be a counselor. Don't give advice. <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> uh, oh man. Um, 
this has been so, so good. And I know that there are plenty of things in the book that we didn't touch on. And I know we're ending the abide in peace Advent program, but we're not ending abiding in peace. We're not ending that. Um, you know, we still have this uh, life on the chariot podcast. So really, if there's anything that people have read from this book that they're like, yeah, I really wish that they could go deeper into XYZ. Please send us an email. Let us know. Let us hear from you because this doesn't have to be the end of the conversation at all. Um, we can definitely have future podcasts dedicated to all of the wealth that's in, um, in this small little book, but that's just so good. So you can email us at podcast at stphilipinstitute.org. Um, if there's something else that you're like, can we go a little bit, a little bit deeper into whatever it is that you would like to um, to dive into. So please let us know. Um, I'm just so grateful for the people who have corresponded during this whole program um, and have interacted with uh, Life Beyond the Chariot and things that they'd like to see. So keep it coming. Yes, please, please. Well, sister, will you wrap us up with a closing prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, I want to give you thanks, um, first and foremost, for these two women um, and for this conversation, um, for bringing them to this moment, to this ministry. Uh, thank you for allowing so many of your gifts and graces to work through them. And I'm grateful that they have been responsive to you. I give you thanks for the women who will watch this, the women who have benefited from this time and reflection on your son's peace. Um, I ask your special blessing upon all the, the women who gathered for our live session and for their families. Heavenly Father, give us the grace to hold in our hearts, to ponder in our hearts, whatever you have for us from this time and reflection on your son, the Prince of Peace. I ask that it, these seeds will continue to grow, um, but most profoundly grow in virtue in our lives, um, in our actions, in our families, in our actions, in our vocations, in our actions, in our ministries. May your son's peace and love reign in this world, um, and may it reign in our hearts. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.